start 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You're making your way there. that what you don't know could hurt you. Yes? Okay. So Sarah Kennedy, who offers career advice in psychology today, says sometimes that happens when we turn a blind eye toward the weaknesses that we have. We have a weakness, and for too long we have turned a blind eye toward it. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 12 warns that ignorance is no excuse with God. Proverbs 24 says it this way. It says, If you say, Behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? The idea is, is that just because you don't know it doesn't mean that it's not you're not accountable for it to God. That's important to know because when it comes to things like the gospel... The gospel that saves, the grace we want to participate. If I don't know it, I can't respond to it, but I'm still accountable to it because God has offered His Son. Which makes sharing the gospel of prime importance to us because we need everyone to know that God loves them and extends His grace to them through Jesus Christ. Because what they don't know could hurt them. But we have, a, we have another weakness, though, that we're blind to. Because it is especially true when it comes to his word, the Bible. I was reading Ed Stetcher the other day, Christianity Today, and he writes this. He says, in America, we have a literacy problem. But more concerning to me, we have a biblical illiteracy problem. Americans, including churchgoers, aren't reading much of any book, including the good book. Christians claim to believe the Bible is God's word. We claim it's God's divinely inspired, inherent message to us. And yet, despite this, we aren't reading it. I don't have to tell you what you already know. What I'm saying is, ignorance of the Bible is hurting you. This sickness, this illiteracy, if you will, is like a poison contaminating our lives. It contaminates this church. It contaminates our community. And ultimately the world. First, not knowing our Bible has a poisonous effect upon our life. The prophets would mourn, for instance, in Hosea 4 and verse 6, that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It wasn't so much that they didn't know the commands, is that they didn't know the love of God that made those commands a provision for them rather than a, just a punishment for their life. Barna and Costelli in their research found the same thing is true in our backyard, is that we don't know the word from God. What they found was that fewer than half of us can name the four Gospels. Sixty percent of us cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. Eighty-two percent of us believe that Hezekiah 3 verse 16 says, God helps those who help themselves. Note to self, there is no book in the Bible called Hezekiah, and that statement does, does not appear anywhere in your Bible. 12% believe Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. 50% of graduating high school seniors think Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Oh, the irony of that one. 
And a great number think that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by, well, Billy Graham. I just read it. No. The psalmist tells us that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my way. And that without knowledge of God's word, we have no direction in life there. We don't know which way to go. Without the light of God's word to guide us, no wonder we feel adrift from confident living, distant from a loving God, and at odds with each other. Our church would become weak because we don't know the Bible. We don't have people to teach the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says, says, I want you to take the word that I've given to you and entrust it to men who will be able to teach it to others. We could be led astray by false teaching because we could not tell the difference between good and evil. Look at your Bibles there at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 3 and 4, it says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts would be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. The Corinthians didn't know enough about God and His Word. This community suffers when the poison of Bible ignorance is allowed to infect those around us. Isaiah 5 and verse 20 says, It warns, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And yet, I stand here today and tell you that we can arrive at that knowledge that will become the antidote for that poison affecting our lives, threatening our church and our community. I want to say this, I'm going to say it again at the end. We need to get back into the book, the Word of God, the Bible. Thank you. Thank you. We need to get back to, to the book, the Word of God, the Bible. Recent research found that most Christians desire to become more mature followers of Christ. 90% of churchgoers, 9 out of 10 of you, and this, if I were to ask for a show of hands, okay, you would raise your hand and you would say, I desire to please and honor Jesus in all I do. Let me just take that quick survey. How many of you would want to honor Jesus in all that, that I do? Would you want to honor Jesus in all that I do? Good. Thank you for that because Jesus wants you to know the Bible. <coughs> Follow me in Scripture, if you will, as you find them up here on the board. He tells us in Matthew 24, verse 35, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In Mark 8, and verse 38, he says, he says, I am going to represent the person who is not ashamed of my words when, before my Father. He says, but he who is ashamed of me and my words, I will be ashamed of him before my Father's face. In Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 48, Jesus, as he ends that Sermon on the Mount, and that's who preached it, by the way, you know. But Jesus, at the end of that Sermon on the Mount, says, He who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who, built, who dug down and built his house on the rock. And the rains came down, and the floods came up, and the storm was not able to move it. 
But he who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the sand and the rains come down and the floods come up and it wipes out what that man has built. Jesus wants us to build our foundation of living on his word. John 80 verse 31, he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to continue in my words. And then 20 verses later, or later on in that same discourse, he says, he says, disciples whose foundation is on the word, disciples who stay in the word, he says, John 8 verse 51, he who stays in my word will never see death. John 14 and verse 23 and 24. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. My point here is this. If you want to please Jesus in all that you do, one of the things you need to do is get in the book. You need to know the Word of God. Now I know what you're thinking. And it's a poison that's affected your soul and your mind and your attitude. And I'm going to address that here in just a moment. Because you're going to tell me it's too hard and I don't see it. I can't understand it. I've got the answer for you. Stay tuned. We can administer the antidote of Bible knowledge because what we don't know can hurt us. Jesus says, you want to live forever? Amen? You're going to be in my word. You want God to love you and come and live with you? Amen? Then you're going to be in his word. You want God, to, Jesus to not be ashamed of you? Amen? Then you're going to be in his word. Okay? You're going to know his word and share his word and live in that word. It is, after all, not just a rule book. It is the word from God. And we can administer that. Now, I wanted to know, if this illiteracy is a poison, as I think it is, then how, what would I do about a poison that entered someone's life? So I, I, I jumped online, as most people do, and I went to the Poison Control Center. I did. I went to the Poison Control Center and I read what to do if your child, if your spouse, if your, if your loved one was poisoned, what would you do? And I came up with three ideas because they kept repeating it over and over and over again. Three things to administer the antidote to the poison of not knowing our Bible, Bible ignorance. First of all, remove the cause. <coughs> remove the cause. What causes us to not know the Bible? I think I found an answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. It says, But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. I'm going to stand here and tell you today that if you want to know God, you need to know Christ. If you want to know Christ, you need to know the Word. How do I remove the cause of the poison? That ignorance, the Bible, you remove the hardness of your heart. 
You remove the hardness of your heart. People don't learn the Bible, and they tell me all the time, it's too hard. It's got big words. It has things I don't understand. It's too hard. Allow me to address that using a human diet. Now, when our children were, were younger, we went to the pediatrician, and we would worry because we would sit down to eat breakfast, and they weren't eating much. And we would sit down, and then they would want to eat, you know, later on in the day kind of thing. And so we asked the pediatrician, says, what's the deal here? Because they're not eating much, and we're worried about their weight. And the pediatrician said some of the wisest words that I ever heard. He said, when they're thirsty, they'll drink. When they're hungry, they'll eat. Just make sure that you have what they need and not what they necessarily want. So there's a difference in sitting down and your child when they're hungry. is There's a difference between offering them something nutritious and then offering them candy. So having said that, Jesus says in Matthew ch chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We all start, and you will follow me there in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. We all start in our Christian life with fortified milk in some form. It's that, it's that what we can digest part. We start with what we can understand. We start with what we can read. And we start there and we let that nourish our soul. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says literally the New American Standard, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. Yours, going, yours is going to say, you know, your text may say that it's going to long for the pure spiritual life kind of thing. Literally it's translated long for the pure spiritual milk of the word so that by it you may grow. In respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. The hardness of our heart melts. When our appetite craves a word from God. You start with what you can digest. Okay? And then we move on. We all thrive on mature nourishment. Job 34. Job 34, 3 and 4 says this. For the ear... Test words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Our taste for what is right and good for our lives becomes our choice. In other words, as we develop a taste for the Word of God, we are going to become more desiring of what is beyond the milk of the Word. We're going to desire the meat of the word. We're going to desire the nutrition of the word. We're going to become more complicated, you know, or not more complicated, more, what's the word? Um, interested in what else the word has to give us, and it will nourish our souls. Remove the hardness of our heart. It's not too hard if you'll start where you need to. And that's what you can understand. And then as you understand more, you'll, you'll, you'll get easy, it'll get easier for you and it's more digestible. Secondly, remove the veil. People don't learn the Bible saying, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I see the black words on the white paper or I see the red words on the white paper and I just don't see it. I don't get it. Allow me another comparison. I went to the eye doctor about a week or so ago. The lady looked at me and she said, can you, uh, can you read the chart, you know, that's over my shoulder? I said, sure. You know, and I read her off some numbers. She goes, that's great. Why are you here? I said, well, I have my contacts in. 
<laughs> she said, well, take them out. I said, okay. So it's good. So I take them out, sit back down in the chair. And she says, okay, now what's the letter? What's the first letter on that chart? I said, I'm going to tell you it's an E. Because all the charts start with an E. I said, but I'm going to tell you the truth. There is no way in the world I can read that. She said, there is no way in the world you can tell me that's an E. I can squint. I can screw my head sideways if you want to. It doesn't matter. He says, but what I can't see that that's an E, but I know that it is. She said, okay. So she does this. She's standing about, you know, five feet from me. She goes, how many fingers do I have up? And I said, uh, two. She says, how many fingers do I have up? I said, uh, five. She says, why do you say, uh? I said, because I have to kind of focus for a minute. She said, you really can't see anything at all, can you? I said, no. If I don't have my corrective lenses in, I can't see past this first pew. You're all just name of faceless people. Okay, kind of thing. That's why I wear my contacts, because I like looking at your face. Okay? So the idea is, though, is that if I don't wear the corrective lenses, I don't see it. This is my point. When the veil is on us and we say, I don't see it, get something to correct the vision. Wouldn't that make sense? In Mark chapter 8 and verse 24, there's a blind man. Jesus comes and he heals him. He touches his eyes and he says, what do you see? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. After another touch, Jesus asked him and he says, I see clearly now. My point is this. Use the tools that correct your vision. Right? Don't make that an excuse because no one else would do that. It just doesn't make sense to sit there and say, I can't see it, I can't see it. And somebody says, put on your glasses. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, there you go. Same goes for the Word of God. If you don't see it when you read it, use the tools that are provided. Our leadership tirelessly, consistently, and carefully provides and invests and chooses and makes available teachers and times and tools to remove our biblical ignorance. I did a casual walk on the way in here this morning. Well, I was a little late for worship. I did a casual walk. Walked through, picked up anything on the table, anything in the track rack, anything you know that, that existed on that round table out there. This is what I came up with. Here is, here is a track about a summation of the Gospel of Matthew. Taking five minutes. Okay? Now you no longer have an excuse for what Matthew is about. It's available. It's out there. Here's something about, here's a, here's a whole article about the things that God gives us for a sign of his love. Okay? Coming from the rainbow on. You spend 20 minutes on this one thing. And they're out there every Sunday. Out there every Sunday for us to take with us. Here's a DVD you can take home. Nine easy lessons on God's kingdom, what it means, how it works, how you can come into it, what you are responsible for. There you go. Take that home and look at it. Here's a house-to-house hard heart you should have gotten at home. And the thing is, is that most of you wind up with putting it in the trash. All right? But here's the idea. Read that thing. Read that thing. It helps. Okay? I looked and I looked at the track rack. Do I really matter? Wouldn't that be nice? Anybody want one of those? Do I really matter? Uh, they're available for you out there in the foyer, in the track, right? There's your, they're free, and we provide it for you. I looked out there, and look here. Here's a whole thing on how to study the Bible. How to study the Bible. Out there, it's free, it's yours. Okay? And then I found this book. It says, Jesus the Sacrificial Lamb. It's just a series of, of talks that people can use, you know, and read and be enjoyed. Now, why do I share all that with you? 
simply because if you don't understand it, then at least expose yourself or use the corrective lenses of what other people are seeing and see if that doesn't match up to what you're reading in that Bible. Does that make sense? If that's the case, don't leave home without your glasses. Trust me, I know. Uh, any of you wear readers, you know what I'm talking about? You, know, you, you got to have those readers to help you see better. I've gotten down to where I buy them in bulk, you know, kind of thing. I have a pair about every chair in the house. I have a pair at school. I have a pair here. You know, I've got a pair probably in a pocket. If nothing else, Kelly has his. You know, and I always count on that. Now, the idea is, but don't leave home without your Bible. You're going to go in. I'm not going to tote. No, you've got a phone. The phone has an app. If it will find your GPS location, it will find you a Bible app for free that you can read and use. There is no excuse for not carrying the Bible with you everywhere you go. Now, here's the idea. Is that you get on that thing and you check your email. You check your Facebook. You check everything else. Do this for me. When you get on there, go search for worldbibleschool.org. I know because I did this last last, last evening. Okay? Yesterday evening. Sat down, typed in worldbibleschool.org. Up came this thing. I took three lessons into it. Boom, boom, boom. Took me all of seven minutes. Why? Because it just takes that short to read it. I read it. I did it. Guess what? I made it 95%. Don't know why I missed that. But the idea is, is I'm not perfect. But the idea is, is that you can, on your phone, you can access Bible studies. You can access the Bible. You can access the Word of the Day. You can access the Scripture of the Day. You can put the Bible in your life and know that Bible. It clears your vision to see everything around you more clearly. If I can take the straight edge, and this is what Elizabeth Elliot said, if I can take the straight edge of the Word of God, and I can lay aside everything that I'm coming against in this world. I see how crooked their paths are compared to what God wants me to do. But you have to lay that straight edge down to see that. Direct your team to the YouTube sites for information. Okay? If you're going to do that, get in the game, get in it to win. But get in it with the Word of God. Second thing, not only remove the cause by removing the hardness and the veil, but the second thing is move to safety. Move to safety. Turn to Psalm 46 with me. I love Psalm 46. Turn to Psalm 46 with me and it will tell you some things. To counteract the poison of biblical illiteracy, we must literally change locations. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, change locations. You don't need to be where you are. You spend too much time in people's drama. Okay? You spend too much time in the, in the, in the divisiveness of the news of this world. You spend too much time there. And I'm telling you that because you don't know peace. And you don't know promise. And you don't know the provision of God for your life. Psalm 46 plays out an incredible scene. That while living in a world of chaos, there is a serene confidence in the outcome. So I need to be, and the point is, I need to be where God is. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. You read it, I talk. But the whole point is this. See, that's good for you. You need to read that Bible. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 says, I can feel protected. I can feel protected. No matter what missile they're aiming at me, no matter what economic sanction that's backfiring, no matter what political pot is boiling, I can feel protected. Through the Bible, I've come to understand that there are troubles overwhelming me. 
of a personal nature. I understand that there is a nature that is beyond my control in floods and tornadoes and, and hurricanes and such as that. And yet I find, he says, refuge and strength with God. The more I know how this has unfolded across millennia of time, across the pages of that Bible, the more I want to be where God is. Because with God, there is peace. Psalm 46, verses 4 through 7. You read, I'll talk. Second of all, not only can I feel protected, I can know joy. I can know joy. Through the Bible, I come to a perspective that seems beyond, that sees beyond the immediate dramas presented daily. The news is divisive at best. Unsettling at most. Yet there is, the hymn sings, a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. Is it any wonder that the Bible uses word pictures of God's presence and those word pictures have to do with a garden, a city with peaceful rivers, the hope of a dawning new day. And it says, I can face each day with a determination that it can be different because I am coming from the presence of God. If I leave each day and I'm in the presence, with, I'm with the presence of God and I walk in the presence of God and I end my life in the presence of God, then no matter what is going on around me, here inside of me, I am protected and I know joy. And then it says in Psalm 46, verses 8 through 10, I will have peace. Be still and know that I am God. 46 and verse 10. When I spend time learning from the Bible, I come away with a sense of inner strength. Romans 8 and verse 31 says it this way. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Time spent with my Bible unfolds that knowledge that I am more than a survivor. It says in Romans 8, I am more than a conqueror. It says, I am someone who is loved by God as his child. And my point is this, the poison of biblical ignorance can be addressed in the quiet time we spend with God, hearing his word to us. Why would I not want to be protected, full of joy, and at peace with all that is going on around me? Remove the cause. Change locations. Get help. We are constantly chatting it up with the people around us. I'll be honest with you. I know. I watch. You know, I'm a part of that. You are too. We are always chatting it up with the people around us. We learn what diet they are on. We learn what meds they use to cure a cold. What YouTube ch channels they think are funny. Where to go for potty training their child. We do all of that. Acts 17 and verse 11 though says, Now these were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica. For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Where I'm going with this simply is take the opportunity. Take the opportunity. If I came to you as a friend, if I came to you as a friend and asked if we could set up a time to look at our Bibles together, would you meet with me? Would you meet with me? And if I invited you to a small group of people, sitting together, opening the Bible, exploring our Bibles about things we don't, don't understand, 
things that assurances we needed. We needed about maybe directions we're seeking. Then would you would you take that opportunity? And if you would accept that invitation or take that opportunity, I'm convinced that Bible knowledge is something that we want. And yet we want also a connection to others as we share that journey. We keep getting beat up. We beat ourselves up because we keep trying to do it alone. So take the opportunity to share that journey. Hold yourself accountable. Be an encouragement to someone, but you have to be proactive. You have to say, look, I'd be interested in that. How do I do that? Where is that meeting taking place? Then we need to take the responsibility. Bible knowledge can be simple. It actually can be fun. It makes us feel confident. It connects us to others who share our passion for being God's people. We can involve our children. Invite the unlearned to move toward faith and grow in our own assurance. But the key is this, and I'll repeat it from what I've told you before. The key is this. Learn the Bible on purpose. Learn the Bible on purpose. Getting the tools available in your hands. Making the time to meet with others. Putting a priority on coming to know God. Trusting our church leaders in the decisions on how that can happen. Let me close this way. Children's stories delight us in how poison is defeated. Remember Snow White and the poison apple? She was warned ahead of time. She didn't listen to the warning. She didn't listen to the words. The three musketeers? Three musketeers are trying to be poisoned, but they don't think it looks quite right, so they don't drink the, the poison. The idea was that they knew what right looked like in order to make the comparison. Susan Medall has a little piggy whose knowledge saved the little piggy from the evil wolf's stew because the little piggy knew the difference between right and wrong. The poison of biblical ignorance can be cured with on-purpose warnings. On-purpose learning what God's idea of right looks like. On-purpose knowledge of good and evil. We have to go out there and we've got to make it a priority. When it comes to this poison control, Remove the cause of your ignorance in your heart. Move to the safety of God's presence and get help from your faith family. We can be knowledgeable, but more we can be free and we can share that with other people. God's Word tells us that God is patient not wanting anyone to perish. He's been very patient with you. Now it's time to respond to him. If you need to be baptized, if you need to repent, we can help you in some way. You can come to the front and make your need known. Together.